the income investing thing is really an ethos that he's developed an approach that he built out. And I think it's cool. Like I've classically trained in finance, right? I went to Wharton. I took the investment management classes. Um, and what happens with our clients is really, really interesting because what the book says about how you should think about personal finance is based on like a version of a person that doesn't really exist. Hello, everyone. I'm David Cooney, your host of the In the Booth podcast, a podcast about the people, places, and things in and around Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. Joining me today from Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus are Lance Miller and Lou Montesinos. Lance and Lou, it's great to have you in the booth. Awesome. And you're in the booth. Wonderful. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Welcome aboard. So, so, uh, Let's let's go from. Uh, ooh, I I can hear everything now. So let that goes from. Let's go from square one. So Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus. So you both are part of this organization, obviously. Sure. So mm -hmm. one of you owns it. Somebody owns it. All of us. We own it as a group. They're, they're partners. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So talk to me about who are your partners. So it's just us and Dad, Mike Miller. Okay. So Mike had started this before you, or. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good question. That is a great question. So he was helping folks, and it wasn't a business, right? He had a group of friends and folks that had known him through the prison or his own personal financial Or he advice. was an employee. Yes, exactly. Okay, employee. I just want to make that yeah. clear. Standard. Uh, yeah, so he was teaching basically financial literacy classes to um, the inmates there as part of the education team. Oh, okay. And through that work, folks had gotten to know him, and he had started helping people. And I basically said, when he had retired, I was like, Dad, you know, if you want to help more folks, the best way to do this is hang a shingle. Like, let's actually right. start this business. Um, and he was receptive to that or he was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, Dad, not, like, I mean, does your dad receptive to every off-the-wall idea? No, of course not in the beginning. Not um, my off-the-wall idea. Are you kidding took, me? You know, it took, <laughs> I'd say it took the better part of a decade before we got to a point where it was like, okay, let's do this. And we knew Lou um, and thought that could work. Okay. Right? And that, I mean, that process wasn't like 2013 to 2018 was when those conversations were happening. And then in 2019, we started getting pretty serious. And it was like, okay, what's required to do this? Okay. So, so backtrack a little bit, I guess. Before we talk about bringing Lou on board, mm -hmm. let's backtrack and talk about what you actually do. And how you help people. Oh, my goodness. Sure. Yeah. So Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus as a business has sort of like five areas, I guess. There's okay. um, financial coaching, right? which is just broad, general financial advice. So you come with any question you have, and we try to help you. Okay. Um, that's one of the services we offer. The second service um, we offer is just tax preparation. Okay. Right, so we do basic tax preparation. We don't hold ourselves out in the way that like a CPA would. Right? So you're not but doing depreciations and those sorts no, of things. No, okay. not like like basic tax, basic tax stuff, okay. right? And then the third piece um, is what we call income investing, which we'll probably have to talk about a little bit more to explain. Mm -hmm. But that's a service that's generally more focused on um, like retirement type situations okay. where folks are starting to use the wealth that they've saved their whole lives, right? 
And then uh, I can let Lou talk about the last two. That's yeah, the last house. two are insurance-based. Okay. Um, so that's where uh, they reached out to me to come on board. Because um, your background was in my insurance. My background was insurance at the Shaw Agency over right. in Lewisburg. Okay. Um, and uh, those two are health insurance. Um, so that's uh, Penny, individual health insurance through Penny and uh, Medicare. And the last peg would be life insurance. Okay. I see. See, I was unaware of that until I saw it on the back of the Mifflinburg sports schedule. There you go. <laughs> I there saw go. insurance and thought, oh, that makes a little sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, uh, excellent, excellent. So, so then um, your dad, talk about when you first started, pre-Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, so your dad... I knew him as a financial wizard because of the Mifflinburg <laughs> Area Scholarship Trust Fund. Okay. And people are like, oh, man, it just keeps making money, and we keep giving this money to students. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he the, the application of the income investing strategy, that is, that's what MACST uses okay. um, in some ways to generate – cash to fund a good portion of the, the scholarships. Right. There's also the piece there where like, you know, you have a team of people that have built this awesome organization. It's not just dad. Don't give right. them all the credit, you know, but, um, just most I, of it, yeah. well, what, what, you know, I, no clue on that one, but, um, I mean, there's a lot of folks involved and they're doing cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but that is kind of where more people started to, he started to talk and present this idea to more folks. Um, but yeah, prior to us becoming a registered investment advisor, um, nothing that dad was doing was a business, right? It was just right. helping folks. Yeah. Um, and prior to forming this partnership and bringing Lou in, the last two buckets, right, all the insurance pieces wasn't a part of what dad was doing at all. Um, the financial coaching a little bit, but it was almost entirely the income investing to generate cash for folks to live on that were on fixed income or generally older, and then thinking about taxes in a smart way right. for those same folks. Okay. So um, let's, I'll, I'll kind of bounce around this list of five different things. That way you'll both be involved and, yeah. and feel yeah. free, sure. even if we're not talking insurance, feel free to chime in because you see everything on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. So um, th- this is pretty interesting for me, the whole coaching thing, because you say people come in and they have questions. Mm-hmm. So they... How, how do you do that as a business? If if somebody comes in and says, oh, geez, I, I just need – I have questions. I don't know anything about anything. Do you say, okay, let's sit down for X dollars an hour or let's sit down for a certain percentage of them? I don't know. You know, how, how do you work that? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that one. Okay. So the financial coaching kind of stemmed from um, we just felt there wasn't a place to go to ask questions. Uh, just Have you questions. ever heard of the internet? <laughs> so yes, you can you can go through you can go down some rabbit holes on the internet. Yes, I would say. Uh, so uh, to have a professional in your corner right. was not something you could typically find um, even on the internet. Uh, so we tried to make a service that was um, cheap enough, I guess, uh, that would bring people in to ask those questions. Um, to have a financial professional in their corner. Right. Um, it's a service that we only charge two hundred bucks a year for. Um, and oh, that's, so, to, so, that's essentially $200 to keep us on retainer to ask any questions you may have. Okay. So it's, I won't say it's a membership kind of thing, but here's $200. Generally, and, yes. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. Now, have you been doing it long enough that you th- see people coming back the second year or you haven't been doing it long that's enough? That's a good question. Yeah. So 
So how we framed that service is we would like to help people as much as possible for those first few years and teach them how to right. do it on their own. Uh, not necessarily keep them as a coaching client from the day they graduate college to the day they retire. Um, it's more so to get them in the door and actually teach them how to do some of this stuff. Right. Um, in the hopes that they won't need you anymore because they're on the exactly. the right track, I exactly. guess, financially. Exactly, yes. Okay. So, um, obviously, without naming names, talk to me a little bit about, like, what you hear. I mean, you've had a, a, some strange, you know, people have come in and probably surprised you with some things. I, I'll give you kind of a, you know, with my background in, in biology and stuff, I've bumped into people, they're like, you know what I just found out? McDonald's food is not even good for you. <laughs> like, you know, you think, how did you not know that? Yeah. 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 So what have, what has surprised you in terms of that? Like, I have two. Yeah. You I'll, can jump I'll on that one. That. So the, the biggest one that, that I think frequently comes up is, um, and it's not surprising, but the prevalence is the piece that I think is surprising is that folks will generally have an emergency fund, which is a very common piece of financial advice. Like you want to have some liquidity. Right. If you have some disaster, your car breaks down so you can keep your job because you still have to go to your job every day if your car breaks down. Folks will have a very, what I'll call like sizable or oversized emergency fund whilst simultaneously holding credit card debt. I've We've seen that with maybe 10 to 15% of our coaching clients that have come in. And in that situation, <clears throat> that's a little unusual. Like I can kind of twist my head and figure out how that can make sense. But in your emergency fund, you're usually earning close to zero because it's a savings account or maybe some sort of like very liquid thing. Right, right, so you're right. not earning a lot of interest yeah. on it usually. And then on the credit card side, like that's you're paying the 15 worst, to 30% yeah, or something. Yeah, that's like the worst debt you can have, right? Yeah. So when that situation comes up, it's kind of like, wow, something went wrong here. Like, how did this happen? Um, because very rarely once you chat with that person and explain what's happening, do they say like, yeah, I want to keep doing that, right? Like, usually they're really frustrated because they like got – someone told them it was really important to have an emergency fund. Right. And then they – were confused by how minimum payments work on their credit card or whatever the case really? was. Um, and yeah, like value is just being destroyed every month that that continues to happen. So that one, um, the prevalence of that um, has been surprising. Um, and then the second biggest thing that I did not personally anticipate um, when signing up for coaching was how much like I would just call it relationship finance there is, where you have like two people who live together, they may be married, they may not be right. married, but the dynamics in play there um, can oftentimes be challenging and like sort of go beyond what a financial advisor might be well positioned to, to do into what like, you know, a counselor or some other space might be what's really kind of- You required. mean they might need legal advice to put things in they writing? Need, or? So- Maybe legal, but oftentimes it's just, um, I don't know, like relationship dynamics that make what we might be trying to do with the budget or what we may be trying to do with optimizing their joint situation isn't really consistent with how those two people think about 
um, money together. Uh, and that's not something I anticipated. So, so give me an example about that. So what I'm thinking of. Yeah, like, I can be more direct, right? Like I'm kind of dancing around. This like someone comes cool. to you and says, hey, we would like to do this. And yeah, so but, but the one partner is like, well, yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to intermingle my money with. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. Like that's more, um, that's more common than I anticipated. And married folks and they could save money if they funded an IRA for one of the spouses, but the other person, like they're keeping their money separate and that works for them. So the guidance that I'm giving them will require them to like kind of tilt their head a little bit differently than they have been to say like, okay, if I do this, um, that makes both of us better together. Uh, and that might not be the way that they had been thinking about their situation prior. So that has happened. Where does my mistress fit into well, this whole picture? <laughs> yeah, it's not a line item that uh, you know <laughs> goes on the goes on the budget, Dave. But uh, yeah, that has been more common, more common huh. than I thought. And I think for us, that's helped me just like recognize everyone's different. Um, you know, when folks have these situations, for us as a financial advisor or any kind of advisor, it's important. Like, you know, don't judge that situation. It's just different, and figure out how to make it work. Um, but here's a card for a counseling service. Yeah. So yeah, we've talked about that, right? It's it, like at some point, maybe that, yeah, that, that becomes like the right step in the same way that we would refer someone to a real estate agent or a um, tax or, professional or a yeah. lawyer. It's like, it seems like y'all might have a disagreement about this, that we're not well positioned to help. Um, here are some other folks around that might be able to help you. So, yeah, that happens. I knew a hitman, yeah. and he can, he can get no, you out of this horrible that situation. Also, man, that is also not a budget line item. Uh, yeah. I'm just wow. thinking outside not the Not financial box. advice. Man, I thought dad was bad on the compliance front. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, yeah, Wait, yeah. that's not legal? <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's not an election year. Well, I'll be fine. Okay. So that, that I'm glad you mentioned all those things. That's yeah. very interesting to me. Um, so... The so what you're doing now on the um, I know there's a word for it. It's in my tiny brain, but it's not coming all the way out of my <laughs> mouth. On the Fridays, the first Friday of the month or the last Friday, when we do our downtown uh, sidewalk sales. Oh, yes. the yes. the mobile medical units. No, no, no. Or what? No, the, when when we do our sidewalk, sidewalk sales, yes. you were just going to sit in the doorway and dole out advice. Yep. Anyone who asked. So I that's didn't... the sort of things people exactly. might be asking you. Yes. Yes, that okay. was that was the yeah. August. All right, I just sat there and waited for questions. Did you get any questions? Anybody? I got one really good one. Uh, one fantastic question really made me think. Do you um, think they yeah. came downtown because you were gonna? No, I know they. Their... I know they didn't. But I think that me making myself or our company making ourselves available um, in the way that we're doing gave that person the confidence to ask the question because I know it was a hard question for them okay. to ask. Um, and yeah, I don't. I didn't have a great answer for the person. It was a hard question. So, yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you had some success with that. Yeah. Almost like you'd see put on a table with the sign. You know, <laughs> it's like a Lucy thing. Like you exactly, know, little, yeah. Yeah. I the financial that. advisor yeah, is in. Yeah, exactly. I don't disagree. It's on purpose, though. We we try to we try to keep things very casual, even inside the office. We 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 feel the formal wear and some of the formal talk. Uh, right. kind of steers people away. So we try to keep things. So that is that why your casual. tagline is a different kind of Correct. financial that's advisor, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the official right. tagline, a different kind of financial yeah. advisor. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
So when you say, uh, I'm, I'm liking this, you, no formal wear. <laughs> so just like yeah, a... No, dad, dad wears Crocs, a yeah. yeah. Say, dad wears sweatpants. That, that, was, was, the... that was a rule that Mike <laughs> definitely had before hanging a shingle was he wanted to keep things exceptionally casual. Yeah. Wow, I can, that's a selling point. Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, it fits well in Mifflinburg. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it I really does. I was toying with yesterday, like, oh, is it a sweatpants day or not? It was in the morning, and then it went away. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, t- simple tax prep. Mm-hmm. So, what what happens there? Someone just shows up with a box full of stuff and says, "Hey, can you?" Yeah, typically somebody calls in, um, okay. and we'll call in and and we'll ask uh, for tax prep and and. Either Mike or myself will jump on the phone and, and kind of dive into the situation a little bit. Um, and we'll try to um, check to see whether it's basic tax prep or right. if they actually do need a CPA or somebody that can dive into more of the depreciation, all that kind of right. stuff from a rental property or business or right. something like that. So we do simple tax prep. Um, so W-2s, uh, you know, no no rental properties or businesses. Right. Uh, where there's extra expenses and that kind of stuff. Uh, we do paper taxes, so we submit everything paper. It's not electronic okay. uh, submission. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that, but I'm old. And my accountant's always like, "Hey, you want me to electronically submit this one?" Yeah. yeah. What do you ever you do? Just as long as yeah. it's all legal. Yeah. yeah. The big the big trade off there. It's worth mentioning too is when you you file paper, it's still going to be received, but it will be a slower process. Sure. So. We make so you get your tr- refund exactly, if you exactly a refund, if you are yeah. getting a refund. We try to really make sure folks understand like this will. We expect it will take longer for you to get your refund yeah. if you paper file. So I always important. found it interesting that um, for whatever a, a small fee, H and R Block will give you your money on yeah. the spot, and then when you figure out what the percentage is that they're loaning <laughs> you your own money at, it's pretty, pretty yeah. 25% or yeah, 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. like, oh, wow. Um, but you can have it today. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. that's when I need beer, so good. Sometimes you have a, you know, liquidity, you need it. Yeah, well, you're paying for convenience and yeah. instantaneous. That so a good point. I, and I apologize for my the way my brain works, but can, I want to bounce up to the first point about the financial coaching. Because yeah. I don't know if you know me very well, but I tend to hop from... <laughs> Subject to subject. No, you don't. We've got to know you pretty well in the past. <laughs> yes, I, I stay years, very, but... I stay on task. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, one thing when you were talking about tax prep, I'm not picking on anybody, but what's the typical age range for your your simple tax prep? Are these older folks, younger folks? It's a mix. Really? It truly is a mix. We we typically see older folks come in first, um, and then if they have a son or daughter that needs yeah. to file taxes, they'll they'll bring them in too. But it definitely is a mix between all the clients we have yeah oh that's interesting because i i've never done that myself but from what my son tells me who's in the financial industry is that it's almost too easy like you get on some website and plug in a couple numbers and it kind of prompts you through everything yeah not that they shouldn't come to you they should no it's for the for the folks who don't want to do themselves right okay and then back to the financial coaching what who are we looking at there that's a good question as well that's everyone. Yeah. I, Young, yeah, old so alike. Financial coaching fits everybody um, because there are, are financial questions that people just don't truly understand. Um, typically, who will do financial coaching only um, will be those folks who are really 18 plus all the way up into their 50s. Um, if somebody comes in who the income investing fits, they also get the coaching service for free. 
okay. included into their income right. investing approach. Well, I think that will be part of what you need to do to right. invest their money yeah, right. exactly. well. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's bump down then to let's, – let's just go in order, I guess. So income investing. So this is – because, you know, Buffalo Valley Wealth Plus. So when you say wealth, that, that does that scare anyone away? Like, well, I don't have any wealth. That's a good question because we've we've talked about talked changing about the name because yeah. to keep with that casual approach, um, we also don't want to seem intimidating with our name and wealth can be intimidating. Um, but I'll let you jump into the income. Well, income and then plus too, approach. like you know. D- yeah, so the I, we can both talk about the name and then chat about income investing a bit. So it sounds like we're gonna have a debate between the two of you. Well, there wasn't. There wasn't. There was, I mean, there was yeah, a little we, bit of a debate on the there name. was for sure a debate on the name, yeah, right? Yeah. Like again, you know. I don't mind the plus I like a lot personally because it, it says that it you know we're trying to do more than just manage money. I thought you stole that from LGBTQIA+. <laughs> no, def- <laughs> no throw the plus on the end. That's everyone's Dave, doing it. Dave, Dave, stop. Okay, come on. So, we definitely didn't do that. The premise behind the plus was that it's wanted to be more than just wealth. I generally thought that we should just over- omit wealth entirely. Um, because of a lot of what you described. Eventually, you have to make a decision, though. But you need something in there. Cor- Buffalo Valley Plus is nothing. But Correct. you need investing or Correct. finance. You need some word that explains that we're in the financial services. Yes, yes. And, you know, we compromised, right? Like, Dad and I went back and forth on wealth. We weren't really sure. And I'm happy with where the name is. Um, plus kind of says we're more than just about wealth. But the word wealth itself um, sometimes people feel excluded if they don't perceive themselves as wealthy, right? And we don't want well, that Well, who doesn't want to be wealthy? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm content with the name. Yeah, I am, I am too. We, we typically go by BVWP yeah, exactly. at this point for most branding purposes. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Um, we go by BVWP. But yeah, we, we went back and forth on the name for a while. For a while, just because we, again, we want to perceive... We want the public to perceive that we are approachable, right? Because uh, we truly want to help from day one. Um, for those who might not have wealth to begin with, kind of get them on the road to saving for retirement and what accounts to save in and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Well, that makes good sense. Yeah. So in that in that light, I think it's probably good since it's kind of an aspiration, not necessarily that you. Well, I'm glad we got your you're, approval. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, since you since you had the sign made up, yeah, I was, <laughs> no, we we talked about. I it guess for, I'll put the sign back up. We, we, we talked about it for probably three to six months. Right? Oh yeah, we, we took we talked about it for a while. Yeah, it was a big yeah. decision when you start a company. Sure, name matters a lot. So. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but but I thought, oh geez, if I'm not wealthy, what do I have? What's my business even being there? You know, you're the plus. Dude. I live in Buffalo Valley. <laughs> you are definitely the plus. Yeah, no, yeah. no worries. No worries. Buffalo Valley Wealth minus. <laughs> um, okay, so so talk to me a little bit. Let's bump down to health insurance, and we'll come back to income investing. So health yeah. insurance plus Medicare. So part of that financial coaching service, so everything stems back to financial advice, and part of that financial um, advice comes health insurance and Medicare. Why is that? Because it, it costs money? A, yes, it's a big okay. piece of personal finance, right? right. I mean, a health insurance... It's not a secret. It's pretty expensive at yeah. this point. Um, so from the financial coaching standpoint, we found that there was a lot of people um, who needed help, whether they were getting their insurance through work 
or they were a sole proprietor or an entrepreneur and needed help navigating the penny system, which is Pennsylvania's um, um, portal uh, to get health insurance. Uh, so we decided because I had the insurance license to offer that as a service. So we do have most of our clients who are clients in other aspects of our business are uh, penny clients as well. Um, but we do have a few that come in just for the penny service or Medicare help um, during open enrollment season, which is coming up here in the fourth quarter. That's what I was going to ask you. Are there people that know exactly what they want to do, how to do it, but they want you to push those buttons because they hate this? Portal? Yeah. So most people don't know what to do. Yeah. Actually. Um, so and I've never used people... it, but the, the portals I use for various, you know, government websites. Sure. They're not They're intuitive. Not They're yeah. almost designed backwards. Yeah. yeah. So, so the penny, the penny portal in and of itself, um, there's a lot of people that will jump on, try to do it themselves. They think it's a portal just for them uh, to do on their own. And when they jump in there, they'll find once they plug in all their information, there's probably about 30 plans. And if it's not something you do on a daily basis, yeah. that can be overwhelming, right? So it's it doesn't cost any extra money from the client themselves to come in and get advice on what plans are the best out there. Um, because we do it on a daily basis, we can kind of narrow it down for them. Uh, we definitely don't pick a plan for each person. Every person's different. Um, but we present what the, you know, maybe the top three plans are, explain how they're different and let them choose from there what's wow. best for them. Um, so how we, you know, full disclosure, how we get paid is from the, uh, from the carrier themselves on the back end. Right. That doesn't change the premium for the client at all. Um, but yeah, they, they appreciate that extra help. I hear noise through my headphones. It sounds like it's raining. That, that, okay. That doesn't, that doesn't happen in Milfenberg in 2022. It's, yeah, really. <laughs> um, it's nice. Well, that's good because I'm, I'm thinking, oh, now what's wrong with my whole recording system? <laughs> nah, you're good. As long as the loop doesn't, uh, the roof yeah. doesn't yeah. I hope not because the, the master bedroom's above us. Oh. <laughs> um, so to that end now, how many people come in and say, Listen, I got on the portal, I did all my stuff, and this is what I picked, and then it said, no, that's not, not the... that often. Really? Because it seems like often. something you would could get on and lock things in and be like, oh, crap, I should not have done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it most of the, at least the advertising I've seen, gears you towards doing it yourself. Um, but again, it, it you don't pay any extra to go seek advice. Right. Um, so why not seek advice yeah. from a professional who does it on a daily basis? Um, so no, we, we've seen most people kind of come in and say, I know the Penny website exists, right? but I was waiting to come in here to kind of hear what I need to do and, you know, how I sign up for this coverage. Right. Um, so we, where we see it fits a lot of people is actually those early retirees that are pre-65, not yet Medicare eligible, um, that just retired, need health insurance, but really don't know where to go. Um, so up until that point, they got their coverage through work. Um, and now that's not available. So right. do they do Cobra through work? Right. Do they do Penny? Um, how, expenses is, how expensive is each option? So that's kind of the stuff that we, we go through. See that? When, when you talk about all that, that to me is like you're speaking Chinese. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, that's... And sure. I mean, I've never had to understand any of that. And, and praise the Lord, my sister, in navigating through my mom's 90, navigating through all that stuff is a wizard at it. So, yeah. and so I don't have to know that. And then obviously we have a brother-in-law who's an insurance agent. So he mm -hmm. helps when we don't know what we're doing, but 
luckily my sister is just has become a whiz at all that elder care sort of stuff yeah yeah and and first thing we ask for some even some of the financial coaching people is do you have somebody you go to you do perfect at least you're getting some sort of advice you're not doing on your own right it's not something you do on a daily basis so seek help so how how often does someone come in and say hey uh so-and-so told me to do this this and this and you guys are like Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which you don't probably say like that, but <laughs> what idiot told you to do that? No. But how often do you see people, I guess, misguided in terms of what you would recommend? I, I, I think it depends on the uh, line of business. Um, we typically don't like to harp on the past, right? We try to look at their snapshot from that day right. and say, look, this is the plan moving forward. Right. Uh, what happened in the past is the past. We can't really change that. You can't go um, back and reinvest 10 years ago. No, you yeah, can't. I you wish. Can't. Yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we try to take, for the most part, try to you know bring people in, try to take a look at their snapshot from that day and say, look, this is the plan moving forward. Okay. Okay. That's a good idea. I like that too, because people might have a certain amount of shame or guilt in yeah. coming in. Right. Exactly. right. Have you ever had anyone come in and say, man, I'm so embarrassed, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, sure. yeah. absolutely right. People yeah. like mental health. I touched on a little bit with like the relationship piece, but fundamentally, like if you're a financial advisor, your job shouldn't be to try and get someone like the biggest number on a piece of paper. Your job is to try and get that person to feel confident and to not feel anxiety about more holistic money. than yeah, just the dollar exactly. value so, in the bank. Okay, like shame. There are folks that have shame for past decisions they've made, and I see folks that. Because of whatever has existed in their prior life, like they struggle to consume, to spend money. And I think spending guilt in our area in particular, like is a very frugal ethos in central PA. It's a value that's very valued. Yeah, know, it's a thing I people respect a lot. And um, when we talk about income investing, we'll get to that. But spending guilt, I would say, is one of the biggest challenges folks have. Um, really? See, I would have figured it was the other way. Like people were guilty because they didn't save enough. Or that's what you mean. They they're, they feel guilty because they spent too much. That's not what we see. Um, I, I What I think we've seen is the opposite, where like folks will have accumulated this tremendous position by all the sacrifice and hard work they've right. done. And I think I see us, especially dad has these conversations. And I, I wish he could speak to this, but didn't come but like the idea of trying to get someone to recognize that you need to consume you need to use what you have accumulated because you can't take it with you right right <laughs> um and that is a huge struggle and yeah. it takes many many years you know people that dad has been working with as friends you know, even a decade later, right, they still have these same conversations. That, and that, I hear him telling people, you need to spend your money. You need to spend your money. Well, right? that, that's you know? interesting because I know someone that used to work at a bank and they would tell me they had one customer. You know, obviously they didn't tell me names or anything. Yeah, and they course. said this little old lady would come in every Friday and get $5 out for the yeah. weekend. And yeah. one day she said, now I'd like to take out 10 if if I have enough. Yeah, and yeah exactly. enough was, she she, it was like $80,000 yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. So that like scarcity that's mindset. Common to our area. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Well, I mean, it's bad, but it's I interesting, that right? Because yeah. that's where yeah. I am. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's uh, it's important to be aware of it. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. I have a personal view, but it's important to be aware of it, right? Okay, I trust you. 
<laughs> but should I? <laughs> we'll find out. Right, right. <laughs> all right. So, so did we, we? So we went down and we talked about the health insurance part of all this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the um, income investing, and let's let's uh, switch gears and do that kind of as a. Um, I'm someone walks in the door, you know what I mean. So take me. I, you told me about the vast different kinds of clients, but. I want to say a typical client says, you know what? I think I need the service. And they call you and they start from there. You want to jump on that? You want me to Well, I think there's a lot of pressure on this one. So this. From me, you mean? No, for us, right? So part of this, the income investing piece, right? Like dad's obviously going to listen to this at some point. Or maybe he'll like tell me he didn't, but he will. And (laughs) the way we explain. Yeah, exactly. The way we explain income investing. Tell him how to get online to listen to it. Good luck. He's he's learned a lot really fast in technology. I'll actually give him credit for something on on that one. But um, the income investing thing is really an ethos that he's developed an approach that he built out. And I think it's cool. Like I've classically trained in finance, right? I went to Wharton. I took the investment management classes. Um, And what happens with our clients is really, really interesting because what the book says about how you should think about personal finance is based on like a version of a person that doesn't really exist. It's based on this like model of rational thought that is not how anyone actually wants to live their life. Or is yeah. usually not how anyone wants to live their life when they're I would, 90 or I could, 80. I can you know? respect that because of my involvement in fitness. Yeah. Because it's based it's, on this one 165-pound yeah. male with 20% body fat. So therefore, but that's nobody, you know. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing about it is, like, once you ask these – once you ask this, like, sequence of questions that dad works with folks to do, like, the whole asset – allocation model, the like Trinity study, all these things that are classic finance of the past 50 years, they don't make any sense anymore. Like it's the, it's the wrong decision for the client. So I'll give it my best. And, uh, I don't know, Lou's seen more of these meetings in person, but I I generally have a, a feel for how it goes. So the premise behind income investing is that you don't want to die really wealthy, right? Most people don't want to do that. So it's more of a matching strategy. It's more of a matching strategy. And it's also based on this idea that, especially in our area, we talked about, like there's spending shame and there's this frugality value. And he starts by showing folks what they expect to bring in every month when they're 80. Okay. So in our area, that's usually social security. Sometimes it's two social securities. Um, and frequently there's like a fixed pension involved right, too. Like right, right. a lot sometimes of the big employers, too. sometimes, yeah, exactly. A lot of the big employers in our area, um, still have some sort of fixed, fixed pension component. And then what happens is you ask the person, okay, well, what do you spend every month? And what, like nine times out of 10 folks will be spending less than what their fixed payments already are. And then it's like, okay, well, in addition to the fact that you've just shown me you're going to cash flow at 80, by the way, um, like you're going to have excess cash every month just from these existing, uh, you know, items, you have this big pot of money, right? <laughs> and then what starts to happen is like, what's the plan for that? And what folks quickly start to realize is like, if they continue on their current path, 
the amount of money that they'll have when they're 80, 85, 90, in expectation, right? That's important to add. Like, we don't know exactly, but if you stick with your current strategy, what's most likely to happen is you die the wealthiest you've ever been. And as a company, like, on the record, we think that is very foolish. Um, And most people, when you present it that way, agree. They're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Um, so yeah, the thinking there, because I could see like, geez, I, I want to die with all that money. So my kids have it. Correct. So that's the next piece, right? You, or that's whatever, the most com- that's yes. the most or maybe some legacy that you want to establish right. a scholarship fund or, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, interesting piece to that. We haven't had anybody that's wanted to do that. What? Mm-hmm. Like the legacy piece. Eh, oh, really? It's, it's, it's a blend, but yeah. Yeah. It's mostly, it's mostly they want to leave it to their kids. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we yeah, we, we, we kind of jump into, okay, you, you want to leave it to your kids. You keep hoarding this money. Um, how does it get passed down to your kids? Well, most of them say once I pass away, they'll get whatever's left. And the issue with that becomes estate planning, right? So yes. if you end up in a nursing home, if one ends up in a nursing home or both, right. that's it's not cheap to live in a nursing home. That is correct. Um, and that could eat into that lump sum. Right. Not only that, if you if you pass away from something like the COVID, COVID pandemic, right? Right. So like most people who were had that lump sum of money and may have passed away during COVID, the market was down 30%. If your money was invested during that time, if you had, you know, for argument's sake, $100,000, it was down 30%. Now you passed down $70,000, not right. $100,000. Right. Um, so we kind of go into, from from that piece, we, we now know that you're cash flow positive at 80, 85. You have this lump sum of money. What are you going to do with it? I want to pass it down to my kids. When do you want to pass it down to your kids? Do you want to see them use it? Or do you want to pass it down? When they're 75. Really know, right. <laughs> when they exactly don't really right. need it. Yeah. Right? If, right. If, you, if you wait till you pass away, they don't really need it when, you're, when they're 75. When they're 55. That's normally like if you live to be 85 and you have kids when you're 30, your kids are 55 when you die. Right. Think about like when do you actually need the money? Dad has a bunch of great examples. And sure. I'll, I'll share one here, right? Like he says, you know, you could be sitting at home. You know, you're 75, you're, let's call it 67 years old. Your kids are 37. They have a family of three, and they don't know if they can afford to go to Disneyland. And here you are sitting on a million dollars, right? Like, your kids are now not taking your grandkids to Disneyland because you want to give them money when you die at 80. And, like, when you say that, nothing about that is untrue. Like, that situation could exist, and it probably does exist out there. But no one is happy about that. <laughs> like no one thinks that's – or we have yet yeah. to meet the person that thinks that's a good thing. So if you don't think that's a good thing, then like this framework of start creating and doing your legacy prior to end of life is a really good fit. Um, and – yeah, I mean, we can talk more about how we actually do that. It's a little more technical. Do but, you, um, yeah. when you talk about that scenario, do you mm-hmm. also consider their, I'll say, kind of their living arrangements? Sure. Because I, in my personal situation, I'm always talking to my wife about, oh, eventually, you know, we're going to live on one floor. 
And I said, yeah. you know what we ought to do is just have the public sale now. Just sell everything we own yeah. and move it into a little place with one floor and sure. be done with we, it. We, in the first few meetings, we have all those conversations. What? Yeah. Where do you see what's yourself your at 85? Yeah, what's your plan? Do you see yourself downsizing? Because that could be a big portion of that lump sum. You might be adding to that lump sum yeah. once you do downsize. So all that goes into the first few meetings. How many people shy away from these conversations because they don't want to think about that because i don't want to think about like i don't want to yeah, think mortality. about being 85 yeah, like, yeah. no i'm not afraid of death i'm just i <laughs> yeah, don't want to so think of myself like there's quite a few clients that say the first thing that that mike will tell you is you have one foot in the grave yeah, exactly that, that <laughs> happens pretty often yeah but it, it's reality right you know some you know some of these conversations revolve around your parents passing away what inheritance yeah. inheritance is there yeah so it's a morbid conversation, but it's one that has to happen. Right. We're, pre, we're pre-planning, right? So some of this stuff has to has to happen. Yeah. Interesting. Because I, I, I don't mind talking about that, but I'm pretty morbid anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see a lot of people, they don't want to think, oh, I don't even think about a day when I'm not here. Yeah. That's, right. you know. I, right. I think you'd be respectful, but it's, sure, it's a barrier, right? And it's, again, it's the whole idea of like what we're talking about here is total wellness, right? So that aspect of not wanting to talk about the fact that you know you're 72 and when you're 82 you're not going to be able to do the same thing or you should expect right i don't know but i would expect for you to not be able to do the same things yeah. that you're doing now right. that's a loss and you're like telling that person hey in the next 10 years you're probably going to lose some of these things and depending on where the person is at that can certainly be tough you're not you're not wrong dave yeah, I, I, especially with things like travel and those sorts of things, yes. because yeah, you're not all hiking the, time the Grand Canyon that. at yeah. ninety. Yeah, right? and, and the things that tend to make people not able to do those things come quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, geez, I I wanted to see Italy, but um, I had that heart attack, and now I can't yep. walk seven feet. So they're unexpected. That's off the table. Yeah. Yep. They're totally so unexpected. use it while you have it, I guess. Okay. That's the goal. With with a little bit of a cushion, so. Yeah, with someone to help you that you trust and come up with a plan that might be different from what your neighbor is doing, but that's because your neighbor has a strategy that is based on, you know, the Trinity study and like this other ethos that you fundamentally just agreed is wrong. Right. Right. So, you know, you might be getting more out of your investments on a percentage basis than they are, but that's because we're not like we've taken away your upside to die super, super rich. Right. But it's because you don't want that upside. Right. You, you want to see your impact now. You know, that's basically the trade that we make from a technical person. How, how often, this is something I've seen in, in various places, and I'm always like, wow, why would you do that? But I see a lot of people, I don't say a lot, but I've seen people that are living so far beyond their means because of the way it looks. Mm. Do you... But maybe those aren't the people coming for help because as far as they're concerned, <laughs> we, you know what I mean? And no, I, you're, you're I'm, I'm talking about like uh, – I had a conversation once with someone and they said, hey, um, I, I need a new refrigerator. I said, all right. And they said, do you, do you know where I can, are there any coupons like for Lowe's or whatever? And I mm-hmm. said, well, why don't you buy local? You know, you can go to one of the local appliances. They said, no, I, I need to do it on the Lowe's credit because I don't have enough money to go buy the refrigerator. Yeah. And these are like a double – you know, both, both parent both – family members working and they have a TV on the patio and a pool and a, you name it, but there's not enough money to buy a fridge when the fridge dies. 
Yeah, would, you, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we recommend people live without their you know above their means. No, but I'm saying how often back, do but... you see someone in come in like that to be corrected? Or are they not the people seeking correction? We've had a couple people that I was were... gonna say I have some thoughts on that. It's complicated, first of all. I'd say to some extent there's an element here that's like, okay, even in the sense of the way we're talking about this question, we're basically saying like that's not the way one should live. Yeah, it is a little, a little judgy. Bit, a little that bit. Is... But it's it's not like you're wrong. I don't know if you're wrong, but like there are folks that you know, make it work paycheck to paycheck and are very happy. And then there are folks that have a bunch of money in the bank account and aren't happy. I don't know who's right. My job isn't to decide that. My job is to like make sure folks understand and help. So within I've, their mind wi- frame set within, of exactly. happiness, of what it, happiness is. It, okay. Exactly. Right. So if it causes you anxiety to know that like if your car breaks down, like your whole world's going to fall apart, then like let's try and fix that together. But, you know, if you don't want to save for retirement, um, and you know you're just gonna you're gonna work and whatever you bring in every month till the the day you pass is is it and you're comfortable with like Medicaid and the assistance that's available as a, a social net then like okay um, I'm personally maybe wouldn't do that but I'm not gonna like I'm just gonna talk to you about that I'm not gonna be like don't do that right you right. know um, to lose point I personally have worked with at least two people in this situation through remote financial coaching. They were both referred from a family member where like the family member more or less, it was almost like an intervention. Yeah, it was almost like a financial intervention. And they hey, got, I see you got me a gift certificate yeah, for financial that, coaching. That's Thanks. honestly, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, okay, we have buy-in from this family member to try and work with this objective third-party guy who, you know, I generally trust and isn't going to judge and is like going to try and work with them. And in both situations, Eventually, what happened was like a very respectful split. It was more or less like, okay, what Lance is telling me, um, I don't think is wrong, but I'm not willing to make those sacrifices, right? Like, you know, Lance is telling me I can't afford to get another dog or telling me I can't, <laughs> you know, some of these things that right. are like a dog, a pet brings a lot of joy to someone, but they're not cheap. Correct. So like if I, as a financial advisor say like, you know, that that's probably not going to fit in the budget. And this person wants to go buy a puppy. Like after the decision is made, who am I to tell them they're wrong? Right. All I, I did my job when I tried to explain the trade-offs and like pet insurance and those things. So what'd you name your dog? Money pit. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, or like source of happiness, you know? Yeah. So who knows? And I have, I've had two specific examples. They are both remote clients um, that were referred through friends. And they were some of the most rewarding experiences for me personally. Um, because I wasn't raised that way, you know, with dad and I learned a lot and eventually it just said, okay, thank you. But like, it's not going to help for us to work together anymore because I'm not willing to follow like what you're kind of laying out for me. So do you, again, not that you're a new, new business, but you, you know, you're, you haven't been doing it for 25 years, but are you at the point yet where anyone comes and says, Hey, um, I don't know if you remember me, but you worked with me before and you changed my life and that kind of thing. Um, do you get anyone tell you? Not not come back and say, do you remember me? Um, but there's been a couple of people, we do an annual, um, review. Okay. And there has been quite a few people, once we show them, look, these are the answers you gave us last year. They say, wow, we've come, we've come a long oh, way. Oh, good. Yeah. So that must, that must be good yeah. for them to see that this is, these are the changes I made and they helped. And that yeah. must be good for you to say, well, I yep. guess I gave some prudent yeah, advice. That's, that's reward for us, right? Yeah. I, I've had a few people who have, who've had 
the the most rewarding clients to me, I think, are the people who have good credit but have credit card debt. If someone has good credit but has credit card debt and has a current budget that balances, when I see that, I get excited because I know I'm going to be able to like take – yeah, hit the cup. Like I get excited because I know I'm going to be able to like take money from a bank somewhere, <laughs> right? Like if you're in that situation um, and you've – like whatever happened that caused you to have that debt that's like really bad debt, but you've been making your payments, so your credit score is solid, and your current job and life situation is such that you are saving money every month, like we can help you a ton. Um, and those situations I've had maybe five of. Yeah. And every time that happens, like it's just like a slam dunk because it is not hard to basically, or it's generally not hard, I should say. To, to get promise, rid of that credit card debt. Exactly. Like I can roll that somewhere else, either pay a small fee or do like a 0% APR transfer. And if the person has that, if the credit isn't destroyed, and that's the that's the, usually the hard piece, but the credit's still there, like you can save them a lot of money I, I would pretty think, easily. Well, just when you paint that picture, it seems to me that would be a rarity because – if you have a lot of credit card debt, it seems like you would not have a good credit score. So all you need to do is make sure you don't miss payments. Really? Right? So, you, well, utilization matters, right? But um, the thing that kills your credit score, and I, the only thing that can fix it is time, is like not miss making payments. minimum payments. Miss payments, derogatory marks, bankruptcies. That stuff is seven years. I cannot help you no matter what I do. Um, like, I can't help you. Um, utilization, like how much of your available credit we're using, I can work with that, right? Like that gets recalculated every statement. Right. Um, so that's a thing that like we can work on together. Um, so even folks that have credit card debt uh, frequently will be making their payments. And if they're doing that, oftentimes they'll come in with like a 730, a 750. And they might have 10, 20,000 in credit card debt. And like, I can work with that, mm -hmm. you know? And see, I thought that wouldn't be the case. I thought if you yeah. had a big credit card debt, you would have a bad credit score. Well, I mean, that's, that's the piece of education that we help people understand where their credit score comes from. Yeah. There, there are people that come in that have no idea. And I've, that, that irritates me now because the times, <laughs> the times my credit has been dinged, missing payments yeah. is when I switched over from, Paper bills to sure. doing all this online, and then I'd go get online, and it wouldn't let me in the portal, and yeah. I'm typing in the right number, and then then I'd have to call and say, hey, listen, I was trying to get on yesterday. Yeah. Oh, well, I see. You're trying to get in this part of it, but you need yeah. to log into that part. Yeah. I there, There's one mortgage now mm -hmm. that I, I – we bought an investment property, and it's through a bank that for me to pay my mortgage – you would think you log on to the portal and log in. Don't do that because that's not the right thing to log into their regular bank thing. So you'd think, okay, well, you got to log into the mortgage payment section. Also not the right thing. Mm -hmm. You need to get in to pay. I need to get in to pay this mm -hmm. mortgage by going to this dropdown, yeah. selecting auto loan, yeah. which I don't have, <laughs> to pay my mortgage. So, so I think that's a really good point to bring up about trade-offs right? Like it's really nice. So all of finance to me, all of life, whatever is about decision-making, right? So, yeah. and it's all a lock too, but there's an aspect there where like, when you go to get your mortgage, 
you can go to Rocket Mortgage. You can go to Quicken. You can go online and you know work with a mortgage broker out of Columbus, Ohio. Right. right? That's where Detroit. That's where mm-hmm. we're, lots of them are. Or you can go down the block, and you can work with you know people you went to high school with. Right. And there's m- so much more to that decision than just what does the monthly payment look like. Like, if it's gonna cause you anxiety, right? Like, what you really have to think about what's important to you. Um, yeah. And again, like my job is not to make that decision for you. Mm-hmm. It's just to tell you like, Explain Hey, it. if you work for, with mortgage R us out of Detroit, Michigan, you can't go knock on the door and have a cup of coffee with the loan officer and say, Hey, I'm confused about what happened with my payment. Right. Yeah. So that's, that has value. When, when we were, when we got married in 1992 and bought a house, we Went local with the mortgage. Couldn't have been any more local. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't know if it was five or six months later when the letter came, your mortgage has been sold to <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That was yeah. that was the end of the local yeah. part of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that that's, can happen too. That, yeah. yeah, that's common. And that continued on until it was paid off. Yeah. Which wasn't bad. We didn't need much handholding. We sent them, you know, money every month. I mean, literally we... You know, I'm old, so we sent an actual paper check. Well, when you said, "Oh yeah, would you rather do business with someone you went to school with?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're all retired." <laughs> Sorry, I may have personal bias there. I had, I had, I have specific. Yeah, you get it. Anyway, all right. So that that was a great education for me on income investing, and we talked about health care, health insurance, and Medicare. Um, what about life insurance? Now, can I tell you my life insurance experience? Sure. Because we, I guess we had some through my wife's employer. And I would imagine I had some when I was employed at Geisinger Medical Center. Yep. And then at one point we um, got some independent health insurance and a nurse had to come to the house and she asked us all kinds of questions and filled out all kinds of forms. And then- Probably had to do a urinalysis and- Yeah, that's that's where it went south. (laughs) Turns out, (laughs) despite drinking all day long, making sure- this lady was becoming more and more unhappy by the minute. I mean, okay. she's like, okay, here's your little cup. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Waited and went. Now she's making suggestions. Why don't you go upstairs and, and run the shower and see if that helps? This lady was getting more and more irritated. Finally, I so eat out seven or eight drops. Baseball and playing days. There were a lot of people that had stage fright. Yeah. yeah that, sure. that happens pretty often. Yeah. Well, this um, lady was unhappy about it. I'm like, I'm sorry. So you can expect a both of uh, Wealth Plus empathy, Dave. It's okay. It's, it's what, it's what <laughs> Lou is trying to say. That's why we have the water yeah, cooler alone. in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> not alone. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. that's life insurance. So, so tell me about what you do for clients with regard to life insurance. Yeah. So life insurance, again, stem from the whole financial coaching meetings, right. right? So life insurance is another thing that costs money, right? So from a personal finance standpoint, we try to make somewhat of a one-stop shop for personal finance. Um, life insurance uh, can be very tricky. There are a lot of different policies and programs out there. Um, you mentioned, uh, life insurance from work, very inexpensive, very good programs, but they don't go with you, right? So when you leave employment, um, sometimes they have a, a provision that allows you to take it with you, but it's typically pretty expensive and most people don't do it. Uh, they just wait till they get to the next place of employment and find out what kind of life insurance they have at that point. Again, not something that stays with you, right? So you retire and it kind of goes away. So it's always good to have some sort of individual policy. 
Um, most of those individual policies are going to come with that extra underwriting, right? So the urinalysis, right, the right. million questions, all that kind of stuff, that's normal. Um, but what we try to look at from a life insurance standpoint is when you are younger and trying to raise a family, that's not when you have all those premium dollars to pay for a whole life or universal life policy, right? So that's extra money that could go towards living that day-to-day with your kids raising a family. Um, So when we look at life insurance, we typically try to steer people towards um, income protection, right? So when you're younger, mortgage mortgage protection and income protection. Um, So when you're younger, you typically have that mortgage. You have your one, two, three, however many kids. Once that last kid is born, that's your highest level of life insurance you need, right? Because if you passed away that next day, your spouse needs to be able to live off of whatever life insurance proceeds were there. If there were none, then she's in a sticky, she or he is in a sticky situation, right? So that's where the life insurance protection comes into play for a younger family. Now, once we are starting to get closer to that retirement age, we actually switch gears to more of an estate planning tool. Um, And we typically recommend survivorship life insurance um, that allows for passing money to heirs without any tax liabilities, right? So um, death benefits are always passed down tax-free. So if you use some of the income investing strategy that we use and use that to pay premiums, that allows you to pass down that survivorship plan to your kids. Um, Once you get to that stage of life where you do pass away and there are assets, they either go through probate or it takes a while for the uh, money to be passed down or you have seven siblings and none of you can agree, right? That's where life insurance kind of comes. It's, it's the, it truly is the best way to pass money down to your heirs. So we typically do uh, what's called a guaranteed universal life survivorship policy, which basically states that both parents, if you will, right. need to pass away before it actually pays down to the beneficiaries. Right. So using the income investing strategy, we promote spend, spend, spend what you have accumulated in your life and then use some of that money to actually pay the premiums to then pass down what you have left in life insurance. Yeah. It's a much easier way to pass money down. Yeah. Like I said, if the beneficiaries call with a death certificate, it usually takes a week or two before that money's passed down versus it going through probate, going mm-hmm. through lawyers, all that kind of right. stuff. That's a good point. It's also a lot cheaper, usually, because it requires two people to pass away. If you have policies on each individual guardian or parent, um, you have to start thinking about setting up your ben- – like, when do you want to change your beneficiaries from your partner to your, like, next generation of dependents, all right. those things. Um, so, yeah, in that regard, survivorship, the premiums are generally lowered, too. Um, and it meant I, – I didn't know about this product when uh, we first started, and – Dad and Lou brought it to my attention. I'm like, that's a good fit. Like that. I thought you were going to say your wife. Income. Your wife brought it to your attention. No, 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 no. definitely Lance, not. I think you should be insured no, here. No, that's not an issue. I I have my own thoughts on life insurance. We sometimes go around on that, but yeah. um, the yeah. wait, separate. But the um, the survivorship is. I don't know why it's not more common. I, I truly don't know, but. I learned about it from Lou and Dad, like I said, and I'm like, this is a this is a really good fit for a lot of the need um, that we see. So, yeah, I'm a fan. So it, it fits the income strategy, yeah. really well because it, like he said before, we promote 
you know, you've saved this money, you've worked for this money, you've right. sacrificed all your life, spend some of it. Um, and as we put you into that income investing strategy and money's being pushed out, some of that money can be allocated towards life insurance that ensures that that money is there to pass down to heirs. We talked earlier about passing away from COVID or going into a nursing home. You called kind of, it the pandemic, though. Mm, you did. I, I was, I didn't know if you did. I switch back from COVID to, or from well, I was waiting to hear you say hoax, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, and BBWP has no view. No, no, no view. view. That was the compliance officer <laughs> stepping in, shutting it down. No view. It was a financial stressor, period. <laughs> period. Next topic. Tried to bait you in. <laughs> no view there. But no view. Um, passing away from something like that, where, you know, some of your lump sum has been either gobbled up by the nursing home or a downturn in the market, that life insurance is constant. Right. So long a premium is paid, the death benefit will be paid out. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great idea. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you each a couple off-the-wall questions just for fun. Love off-the-wall questions. Oh, but Lance has been feverishly so, taking notes the whole time. So maybe yeah, there I, things, I, you know, I write things. There are things we didn't cover maybe? That, no, I was getting nervous. As soon as as soon as soon I saw the framework, and I should have known this, like, you know, being studious or whatever, I'm like, he's going to ask you to explain income investing. You know your dad's going to, like, listen to that and give you feedback and tell you what you messed up. I already know what I messed up, but it's okay. I'm, we'll deal with that with him later. Um, I'd say I could I'm edit good. that out, but I'm no, not going <laughs> to. No, I... Well, I'll just say it now that I've gone there. I'll Photoshop that out. (laughs) The income investing strategy requires very active management to work. I think it's important to recognize that and to give him credit. And Lou, who's basically signing up to be like the next, you know, the next generation. So you're closely following everyone's Very closely following the accounts to make sure that they're getting that cash flow um, that we've basically told them to expect. In that regard, it's generally different. Um, materially different. I, I feel comfortable saying that yeah. from yeah. a standard asset allocation approach that is going to say, okay, you're going to have this much in equity, this much in you know growth, value, all those buzzwords, right. international, emerging, yada, 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 this much in corporate debt, municipal debt, all that stuff. That is not what we do. Um, and I think it's, like I said, I think it's important to recognize for dad who's doing that work, like it's a lot of work. Like the lights are on on Saturdays. The lights are on Sunday mornings. Sundays, he yeah. he likes it. But he um, has to follow the markets yes. and his clients. Yep. He's constantly working. So that's that's different so, in my opinion. So is he um, – like when I was doing – and I, I consider myself a financial genius because I day traded <laughs> for like a year and didn't lose any money. Oof. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Actually. I thought so too. For a whole year? Yeah. I'd have yeah. to see the numbers. Wow. I'm not going to call you a <laughs> no, lot. I'm but... saying, no, I didn't lose any money. Um, and I thought, wow, I, after seeing That's some of the horror good. stories and I broke even, yeah. I'm like, whoo, boy, did I get yeah, lucky. Day trading is very tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. But that was a thing for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so how obsessed are you guys with the markets? Like, oh, did you see what happened today? Like, I have a brother-in-law who's a, who's really, he loves to talk finances and and relationships with regard to, okay, well, this is what's happening in Russia. So that means the Chinese currency is going to go down, but the Deutschmark's going to go up because of the investment they have in international harvester and all this kind of- You are old, man. The Deutschmark hasn't been around for 20 well, I don't years. Know. I'm just making- <laughs> Holy cow, dude. Again, it's Chinese to me. <laughs> Talking about D-marks in 2022. Okay, fine. They're using them euros, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pounds back. Anyway, Kids. yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say we watch it daily. Um, but we you're not. Truly, we truly do. Um, to say that we can predict 
what's going to happen is well, of course not. Very far. Off. I just wondered how but, closely you were looking yeah. at individual things, like oh my gosh, Apple did this so, today, and yeah. So we we have plenty of companies that we watch on a daily basis. We read up on yeah. each one of those and make sure that they fit the mold of income investing for our clients. Right. Um, so we're reading earnings reports and all that stuff on a daily basis. That's, I'm essentially the succession plan to Mike, right? So I'm learning some of this stuff from Mike. Um, so I am reading up on a lot of these companies and making sure the earnings reports are, yeah. you know, accurate and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we, we watch it pretty, I, I pretty was surprised closely. how just like the weather now, you can get the same information that Joe Snedeker gets, you know, same with financial statements and all that. You can get online and see what's happening live. It wasn't always like that. Back in the 90s, there were, you know, this is what happened yesterday, but now it's boom. Mike explains to me all the time that trading has changed drastically from the time he started. Oh, I bet. 40 years ago or yeah, whatever it was. And I remember printing out charts and drawing. I can't remember what the lines were called and all that kind of junk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Wow. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, instantaneous anyway. Yeah, I think that the big thing there too, um, our accounts generally, I would, I personally see it like given where I've come from the background, our, our accounts are over diversified, right? right? Like we'll hold right. more names than, you know, if Dad kicked the bucket and Lou wasn't ready yet. Like my personal view would be to have slightly fewer names, so it would be like less work to try and keep track of all this right. stuff. But the benefit of having more investments is that if you're wrong about any one particular investment, um, it has less of an impact for the for the clients. Um, so that's another area that makes excess work. Um, me personally, I do not. I do not. I make it a point not to because um, it's an incredible amount of work. I will follow macro stuff, right? So like um, more in Ukraine, how's that going to flow through? Um, and interest rates in particular are really important, extremely important for what we're doing. So I'll pay attention on like FOMC days and, right. you know, Humphrey Hawkins and stuff like that, um, because that flows through to almost everything. You know, I get yeah. chills just thinking about it, Dave, like the mortgage rates, like all that stuff. Um, and that's super important. Um, so like clients ask about that and you want to be informed. Right. A client asked me what my view is on Google. My answer is going to be like, that's not the right question. But if a client asked me like what my view is on like how conflict in Ukraine or Taiwan or interest rates, like I want to have an answer to that because I generally agree like that, that stuff matters. Like you want to be informed there. What do you think about Google? I'll well, Google it. I don't know. It's alphabet now. So Google. yeah, exactly. I use it all the time. Google. I guess I yeah. ironically should hold I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember like, when remember when the search engines, you guys maybe don't remember, but there was Lycos and Ask Jeeves and oh, Dogpile yeah. yeah, and I, absolutely. Oh yeah. Mr. DeFascist, uh, we'd use. We're not that Jeeves. young. <laughs> yeah, we're so um what what did I not ask you? Did we cover all the fun stuff about your business? Yeah, I think we have the stuff that that matters. Um, yeah, it's like the, one of the, the big ethos is you can't take it with you and to like anxiety reduction versus like number maximization, you know, those are the guiding principles. I think like if I had to, you know, present before a regulator on why justify a different kind of advisor, like those yeah. are the answers. Right. Right? Yeah. I would say from the income investing approach, our approach is not to, you know, bring somebody in 
and take that lump sum and grow it so that they're the richest they've ever been, like we've talked about. It's actually for that value to bounce around, but pretty well stay the same. And that growth that they would have seen otherwise, they actually take out um, and spend it and use it. And if you can't use it yourself, pass it down to Enjoy your kids it. early. Yeah, Because uh, it, it's, to be the richest you've ever been when you pass away, they're, I mean, you didn't see it used. You didn't see what your kids did with it. Right. Yeah. I see, yeah. That, and that's not how I thought about it. I was caught up in the whole cultural yeah. build it, baby. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other piece yeah. there, I think it's important to mention is like how we charge. So we talked about the 200 bucks a year because that's super yes, straightforward. Yes. But the income investing rate, we charge like the more you have, um, we charge a fixed fee, a percent fee. So that means the bigger the number is, right? Like the more we're making. So when I tell you like, hey, you need to give away some money or do something with it. That's actively detrimental to our Trust, revenue as our yeah. company. Um, that's not the point. And exactly. It's not yeah. the point. Um, but it's also probably correlated with why that advice isn't generally out there in the financial services community, right? Like right. if I had a bunch of shareholders to answer to that wasn't my dad and Lou, and I'm going around telling my clients to do things that are going to actively harm revenue, I have a hard time at that board meeting. Um, even in 2022, like things have changed a lot, uh, you know, since you go to Wharton and it's like maximize shareholder value, <laughs> but still, um, that's a lot harder to do if you work for a bigger company. Whereas the three of us agreed from the outset. Right. Well, you would have core, to, or you'd yeah, one or of you wouldn't be sued. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we agreed from the outset. This is a core value of what we're doing. Um, and I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes me proud to be a part well, of it. I'm, that's, so. I'm proud of you for doing that. That's um, contrary to what you would think elsewhere. Yeah, sure. All right, so your your business logo has a, a mm. home plate on it. Was that a happy accident or? <laughs> so let me, let me describe. Uh, let me yeah. let me paint a let me paint a picture <laughs> for for the listeners. It's a BVWP above a home plate with a buffalo in it. Yeah. I, I can figure out where the Buffalo is represented yeah. in Buffalo Valley yeah. Wealth Plus. Is that the home plate? Yeah. So it, the home plate comes from uh, Mike Miller uh, being an umpire for right. professional baseball um, before he moved, I guess, back to the area. Right. Um, he was in, he got as high as double A. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was double A umpire. And then myself, I played baseball over at Penn State um, from 2009 to 2013. Um, so we kind of had that common area. So we wanted to throw that in there. And actually, um, Lance's sister is the one who came up with our logo. So we, we just told her we wanted to incorporate something baseball. And she's the one that kind of threw that out there. Yeah, Amanda did that. And I'll just go on the record as saying, I think I was hitless in Little League. So that's also impressive. <laughs> I, wasn't gonna put that in there, right? I mean, I think it should be on the record. You know, probably a tremendous disappointment. What's your name? Owen. Yeah. Owen 35. <laughs> yeah, I had a great eye. I walked every once in a while. Um, you know, I was more interested in like, keeping the book probably. But And his dad anyway. was the ump. <laughs> yeah, he was, couldn't get off. He was just disappointed in the outfield. <laughs> just like, man, this kid is rough. Yeah. No, That's but. funny. So, yeah, baseball kind of ran through both Mike and I, so we wanted to incorporate it somehow. All right, so let me ask, ask you this off-the-wall question. So being a sports person, you follow other sports. Absolutely. Which, what is, in your opinion, this sounds going to be judgy, but what's the lamest sport? What sport do you think is incredibly boring? Oh, geez. I love watching all sports. Oh, of course. That's I the really, answer. Yeah, I but really but what's, what, one of them's got to be boring and like, I don't uh, know. I truly, 
Lance has gone through the client list. So even like the nature of the question, lame, I don't, it's kind of ableist, but like it's even more loaded. So I would say chess because you don't need like um, even someone who had entirely removed like all physical ability, if they still have their cognition, they could play um, chess and let the debate on whether chess is a game or a sport begin. I was going to say, is, is chess a sport? That was um, so <laughs> terrible of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect, but terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know that I can think of one. I, I was in, introduced to more sports once I got to Penn State. I'd never seen fencing before. I'd never seen field hockey before. Fencing is in I, I, hockey? Field hockey is not a sport down in Miami, Florida. Nope. Wow. Nope. I had, I had not seen some of these sports, and I mean, I still went to most of those games. So, no, I I, I like took watching fencing in college, and I, I enjoyed it because I had a background in martial arts, and I thought oh, this is going to be really good. And then they showed us a professional fencing video, like the Olympics or something. Yeah. It's completely not what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Penn State, Penn State has a very, very good fencing program. Not like to they, me. That's incredibly fast, but it's really boring to watch it. Like. Go bloop beep. Like uh, I don't know. I guess someone stabbed someone because the buzzer went off. You know, there's a lot of yelling going on. Uh, no, I. I mean, I don't. What do you mean yelling? Like team. Like once they scored a point, there's a lot of yelling. No, I guess. You mean in I the crowd? Like I've never seen take. anyone start a wave a at fencing. Take. Here's a hot take: Miami, Florida wrestling's not very big. Okay. Don't know how the scoring works. Don't really watch wrestling for that reason. So that's bad for business. Yeah, I. Not wrestling is not a sport that I follow. Well, not once that I won't watch it, but I just I don't follow. But once that. you go from high school to college wrestling to Olympic wrestling, it's incredibly different and difficult. Yeah, Penn State to... wrestling is okay. Stop! <laughs> yeah. Stop! <laughs> Cut it! Uh, Cut them off. That, that wrestled at Penn State, I just I, that's not a big sport in in Florida, Ooh. so I didn't watch that much. All right, let's come up with an off the wall question for Lance that he'll Jeez. try and give me a an innocent yeah. answer to. Lance, yeah, if seriously. you could be any animal, what would it be? And you can't use buffalo. Uh, that's a good question. Um, man, I don't know. That's not an allowable answer, Lance. You want to phone a friend? Beer. Bear. Bear. <laughs> Bear. I think so. Oh, you said bear or beer? Well, I said beer first, but that's clear because I was stressed. Well, that, you put me but, on the spot. So you, I think. But you could bear. extrapolate that to yeast, which is. That is an animal, is it not? It's, I mean, it's one of those. Bacterium? When I learned, it was kind of a. Monera? Yeah, yeah, it's in between like an animal plant it's kind of thing. No. I think a bear. Here comes biology. Bears are pretty chill. Bear, because you like Omnivore. a bear market. I mean, you can make money in any market, right? It depends on your position. So I think. I think a bear is a good animal. All right. I'll take it. They're That's a good answer. Chill. Not exciting, but it works. Oh, it's a hard question. All right, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me in the booth. Absolutely. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Love it. Ah, crap. I forgot to press record. No, oh, no. <laughs> Start all, right. all over. <laughs>